Awesome. It's been really great to see God, what God has been doing in, through Growth Track, and just uh, we've got people coming out of there just with a real, a better sense of, of their giftings, uh, their their personality types, and their giftings uh, naturally, their natural talents, but also their spiritual giftings as well. And how many of you know that's important to know when you're actually looking to plug in to serve because. Um, you want to you want to complement maybe the team you're going on to or uh, the the type of work that you're doing. Um, we don't we want to fit in there, and so this helps you fit in to what God is doing at Solid Rock um, in a better way. Um, I want to share from John chapter 21, and actually we're going to be tag teaming tonight. My wife and I, Eve and I, are going to our tag team a little bit, so you'll get to hear from her as well. Um, this is uh, from John chapter 21. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about following Jesus tonight. And uh, how many of you know there's a new challenge for the disciples on what it meant to follow Christ after his resurrection and his resurrection appearances to them? There was a new challenge to them. There was a new day, a new, a new season among them where they had to learn how to follow Jesus when he wasn't actually present in their midst physically uh, manifest among them. The, he, they had to learn how to keep following him. And one, one disciple, one man in particular, uh, needed something first. He needed restoration. And so John 21 starts out this way. We're, we're going to start reading from verse 15 a little bit later, but I'll just kind of summarize this first part of John chapter 21 because it's, it's, uh, it's following the resurrection and, and Peter's denial of Jesus. Um, and he says to to um, his, and Jesus had appeared to them a couple times before, um, but they still didn't really know how to navigate this life uh, without Jesus right there physically among them. So they, uh, Peter said, let's, I'm going to go out to fish, and some of the other disciples joined him, and they spent all night, night out on the lake and didn't catch anything. Um, it says they caught nothing, and early in the morning, verse 4, it says Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize it was him. But there was one disciple in particular. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. We we pretty confident that's John, the author of the Gospel of John, who who said that uh, to Peter when they saw Jesus on the shore, it's the Lord. And what does Peter do? His Im- excitement and his impulsiveness gets out there and j- just jumps out of the boat and swims to shore while the other disciples are left to, to uh, well, first they had caught all these fish. He said, throw your nets on the other side and you're going to, and they did and they caught all these fish. So Peter, then Peter jumps out of the boat, swims short of Jesus and there was this, uh, and left the other disciples to, to go and uh, to haul in those fish and, and to get to shore. So Peter is with Jesus on the shore. And Peter uh, is a man that is stricken by remorse. He's stricken by a sense of um, just, yeah, he's, he's denied Jesus. And um, he, uh, he needs to be restored. He needs a restoration. How many of you know all of us uh, need restoration at different points in our lives? And it says that his mercies are new every morning. And it says that uh, we have his renewing spirit in us. And yet sometimes we fall back and, realize, and, and need 
uh, to have a, an encounter with Christ like Peter did to be restored. And that's what happens here. And so um, we're going to talk about, based on this conversation that Jesus has with, with, um, with Peter, what it means to follow Jesus. He calls us to follow. And there's a picture up there. Did, we, did you already put that up, that, that picture of Peter's denial? I, this has always struck me. I remember when I was um, studying as a young man in, in college, at Bible college, and I came across that, that, that uh, it's actually a, a painting. I don't know who did it, but it's pretty striking. It's up there. I was looking there, and it's not there. Yeah, it's pretty striking, but it says in the, in the Gospels where, where Peter um, said, I don't, I don't know the man, you know, and, and uh, he's waiting outside in the courtyard around the fire, and the servant girl says, I know your, your accent gives you away. You were with Jesus. You were with him. You're one of them, and uh, Peter uh, and the rooster crows. You see the rooster there, and you see Jesus in the background with that with that glance, it says Jesus, Jesus looked straight at him. It just is a kind of a striking picture of, you know, the remorse and the, the um, after following his denial of Christ. And, uh, but how many you know good news is on the way for Peter? He's going to be renewed. He's going to be restored. And uh, that's the hope we all have in Christ. Um, as we, as we um, have taken this journey, it's been a real real interesting sets, set of twists and turns for us over the past 20 years of serving uh, overseas. Um, most of the uh, time that uh, for the better part of these 20 years, these past 20 years and um, just a year uh, and a half ago returning to, to the States um, to serve God here and to start a new chapter here. So, but all that journey has taken us, you know, to Central Asia. We lived in Tajikistan for um, 16 years and raised our children there. And then we moved to Turkey and, and were there for three years. And it's all really, you know, been about trying to understand, love, and serve this Jesus who calls us to follow. You know, just, just all of us are, are on that journey together, and, and it takes its many different twists and turns and forms and shapes and everything, but we're all on that journey of following Christ and, uh, and trying to learn and grow uh, and as we follow him and mature in character. And uh, so what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Christ in the context of, of daily life and, and our mission in life? And there's really no difference between the two. We talk about mission uh, as we as we um, were missionaries. We talked about missions, and 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 yet our daily life is supposed to be missional. We're supposed to be missional people. Jesus was missional. He was the example, the supreme example of 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 mission, of what it meant to be on mission. He came. Uh, in the start of his ministry, you know, he came and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Uh, and, he, and he talks about being sent from the Father. He, he talks about being, setting his face toward, like Flint, toward Jerusalem. He was on mission. He was missional. Uh, he came to seek and save the lost. And he sends us as missional people, as people on mission. And so daily life and mission are one and the same. They go hand in hand. And the spirit, the, Henry Martin was a missionary to India 
and, uh, and then Persia. And he said this. He said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. The nearer we get to Jesus, the more intensely missionary we become. That is the crux of what it means to follow Jesus, I think. That is really the foundational piece there, relationship. Relationship. Following Jesus is, is in, the, in the context of just mission and being missional, it's about relationship. That's the springboard for being mission-minded, mission-focused, missional people out there being sent, having that sense of, of, of uh, calling and being sent comes from that relationship with Christ. We can make it up, we can work it up, you know, um, but it doesn't last. The passion won't be there, the desire, the zeal won't be there, the longing won't be there. Um, so we need that relationship. To belong to Jesus, John Piper says this, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations with him. That's a, that's a huge task, and that's exactly the task that God has called us to. We talk about it all the time in, in, as we gather together where, where we say, we talk, in our, we talk about being a blessing in uh, our, our community, our nation, and the world, right? We talk about being being a blessing, advancing God's kingdom in those three areas. And so we're embracing the nations with him. That's what being, belonging to Jesus is about. So it's, it's really more accurate when we talk about this to speak about becoming, when we talk about becoming missional, um, it, it's really, it really goes hand in hand with this idea of following Jesus the master. So. Today, we want to highlight three areas where we've been challenged, my wife and I, over and over again in our quest to follow Christ more closely, more fully. And so let's start reading from John uh, 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus, and Jesus, I love this, because Jesus had served them breakfast. He said, come have breakfast. So Jesus uh, is the host. Jesus is the one who... who uh, I don't know, maybe he cleaned the fish too, you know, I don't know, but he, ser he cooked it, he served them breakfast. I just love that. The resurrected Christ serving his disciples breakfast. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I say to you, when you were younger and dressed yourself, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
you must follow me. So this is a really interesting exchange here between Peter and Jesus. And um, there's a lot of messages that have been preached about the different types of love. And, and we're not going to get into that tonight. But it really is um, interesting to look into that deeper about the types of love and, and, and the, the, the love that flows out of, of passion. And there's the love that kind of flows out of purpose. And Peter was a passionate person, but he really needed to learn his purpose, his purpose, and, and walk in that. He was passionate, no doubt. So um, there's no, you, you can't say Peter was not passionate. But this is, this is about purpose. And the purpose wasn't exactly maybe what he didn't want to hear. Maybe he didn't really understand what all of this meant that Jesus was telling him at this time. But we know that he followed it. He walked in it as we follow the life of Peter. So the first point I want to make here is that Jesus calls us to follow without conditions. No conditions put on him. This, this whole idea is, you know, when, when we look at verse 18 here, he says, someone else will take you and lead you where you do not want to go. They will dress you and they will take you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now, for Peter, that ultimately ended in, in martyrdom, right? And yet for us, what does that mean in the context of daily life? It's surrender, right? It's, it's self-surrender. It's being willing to go where we, not, we, we don't necessarily want to go, where we always aren't just compelled to go and uh, in our natural, but yet there's a blessing and there's a, an anointing and there's a calling on each of our lives to where when we respond to those places and those, those places where God leads us, um, we're, we're going to find, without conditions, we're going to find purpose. We're going to find the place where he can use us the most. So when a missionary comes to, to your church, and we did this for many years, uh, our, our, when we, we would go to, we would be on the mission field about four years normally, and then we would come back to the States for about a year. And then for that whole year, we were traveling around, sharing, and sharing with the churches and our supporters about what, what we were doing, and kind of a stakeholders report, you know? So we were always doing this. And, uh, you know, you learn what to share and what not to share, and, and you want to be authentic and vulnerable, and yet you realize that sometimes that's not the best context. But, you know, when, when uh, you normally don't hear, you know, when a missionary comes and talks about what they're doing, well, I'd really rather not go there, but Jesus is calling me, so I'll go. You know, usually you hear the highlights, right? The, the call, the, the, the amazing call that they have on their lives, and they're excited about the, uh, what God is going to do and how he's going to use them and all of that. And, and so um, you don't always hear that, but in truth and in reality, that's what often happens. They go, uh, and, and I think there's just a joy when we see that, there's just a joy in surrender. There's just a joy there that they're following Christ and they're sold out and they want to do what he's called them to do. Um, it's unexplainable. It's an unexplainable joy that he gives us when, when we go to places really not so appealing or not so, uh, you know, we'd rather not go there. 
But there's, there's a, a joy that is unexplainable in being surrendered when we follow without conditions. Jesus contrasts this whole, throughout the life of ministry of Jesus, he contrasts this idea of being uh, what the culture tells us, you know, being self-made people, being self, uh, you know, have, having uh, self-led, self-made, self-success, um, all of these things that the culture uh, of our day uh, tries to get us to buy into. And Jesus contrasts that with a totally, uh, a totally different way of following, of living. And um, it's this idea of being um, surrendered, no conditions, no questions asked, that kind of surrender. Um, fully God's, fully his, not exempt from suffering, um, and, and yet joyful in the following after him. So, you know, you contrast those two, the culture and the way of Jesus, and it's no wonder why we often feel pulled in opposite directions, right? Um, and so to stay close, it goes back to relationship, to stay close to him so we don't get pulled in that direction, to have that passion and that purpose birthed out of relationship with him. This is an interesting quote. Henry Nouwen is a, was a, he was a Catholic priest, and he actually, the Lord, gave him a, um, uh, a word, a mandate to leave everything and to go live among the poor. And uh, that's what he did. And he really writes in a way that's really a, re relative to the whole evangelical world as well. I, I get a lot out of his writings. So he's passed away now. Henry Nouwen. But here's what he says. He says, when you were young, he's, he says, he's talking about the world, the message that the world gives us. And, and he says this, the world says, when you were young, you were dependent and could not go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you'll be able to make your own decisions, go your own way, control your own destiny. But Jesus has a different vision of maturity. It's the ability and willingness to be led where you would rather not go. And he's talking about this. And, and, uh, that actually, the end of that quote, I think, is in your little handout there. So we have, again, this contrast of the world says, you're going to be free. You're, you, were, you were tied down. You were constrained. You were restricted as a young person under authority. But someday you'll be free and be able to do your own thing, be dependent on nobody, and uh, ha have your own way and go your own way. And Jesus' vision of maturity uh, is complete, complete turnaround, complete opposite. It's the ability and willingness to be led where you'd rather not go. So it's about unconditional surrender. When we follow Jesus that way, we have no idea where we'll be led, <laughs> but it will be good. We've had no idea at times where we were going to be next or led next. Uh, and God brings his surprises along the way, and yet it's good. God is good when there's unconditional surrender. I love to coach missionaries who are in transition, and I love to hear their stories of ministry leaders and missionaries and talk uh, them through the transition uh, that they're going through, work with them through that process. Because how many of you know it's not easy after 20 years or, or more coming off of the mission field to back to what's supposed to be their homeland, but nothing looks the same, you know? 
And uh, so there's a lot to work through and process. Um, but how can, how can somebody, how can someone go, I just, I just finished a, a season of coaching um, uh, a missionary who had served in Mozambique, Africa for 20 years. But you know what? She went with one, one year, maybe two years commitment. That was, she was, that's it, that, that was the condition that she put upon her service. Okay, Lord, one or two years. But, you know, sometimes he just gives us enough to, to step out, right? He doesn't give us the big picture, the whole picture. She ended up staying 20 years and joyfully surrendered. And was it hard? Yes. Was it difficult? Yes. Did she want to give up at times? Yes. But how can, how can two, one or two years turn into 20 years? Because she followed without conditions. Sometimes she didn't want to be there, but she found joy and fulfillment in the process. We could relate to that, her story, um, often as we, as we think back and reflect on our story. So what are some of those conditional? This is the application piece. What are those, some of those conditional um, responses and attitudes that, that you and I have toward, toward the Lord? Um, I'll go if, the if, you know, I'll go if you do this first. I'll go if you bring me back next month, next year. I'll go if I can keep my business. I'll go when the kids have left the nest. I'll do this or that that you're calling me to do when such and such is in place. Whatever those conditions are that we put up on the Lord, there's, we put those on because we, we, we're, not, we're not in a place of fully trusting him and saying, whatever the risk, Lord, I'm willing. I'll take, I'll take that risk. So there's the risk factor. We, we, had, we had people, when we were first going to Central Asia to, to live and work in Tajikistan, we had our, we have three, three children now, but we had, we had our oldest daughter. She, we had our daughter, she was um, one year, I always forget, she was one year old, huh? She was one year old, and we were, that's when we ha had not gone overseas yet, but we were traveling around, sharing our vision, and, and preparing fundraising and preparing to go. And time and time again, we would have people after the service, after we talked about uh, our, our going to Tajikistan, to the other side of the, literally the other side of the globe, and living among uh, a country of 98% Muslim peoples. We had people, well-meaning people, mind you, but they would come up after and they would say, you're not taking your little baby with you over there, are you? You wouldn't take your little baby. Are you gonna leave them with grandma and grandpa? Or <laughs> And uh, no, she's, it's a package deal. <laughs> so God had called us as a family. And uh, no, we weren't going to leave her on the doorstep of uh, the front step of the church and hope someone would pick her up and take care of her. <laughs> so uh, it was just interesting. But, you know, when, when we look at the risk factor, um, those are the things that we say, is it worth the risk? Um, but if we wait till we run no risk... When's that going to happen, right? When's that going to happen? The, this is what David Livingston says about this. He was a missionary in India, and he said, uh, Africa, sorry. He, he said, if, and this was when the gospel was beginning to, to impact the, the coastal regions of Africa. And um, 
David Livingston said this about reaching the interior, and there's a lot of fear and reservations about going inside of Africa, the interior of Africa, and what that would cost in terms of lives and sacrifice. But David Livingston said, if we wait till we run no risk, the gospel will never be introduced to the interior. He wrote to those who urged caution. The interior are those places of risk, risky places. That's what it signifies to me. The fringes, okay, it was comfortable, you know, predictable. So we like to hover, we like to linger around the fringes as Christians, don't we? Sometimes things get comfortable and we, we like it there. And yet God is saying, I'm calling you to step out. Go into the interior, go deeper, go further. And uh, are we going to do it? Are we going to trust him in that challenge, in that call? Um, we place those conditions because we're afraid of the risk. And that fear keeps us on the fringes. While opportunity is just through the open door. I don't want to miss the opportunities in my life. Is there risk? Yes. But let us not hold back because there's risk. Let's go forward, knowing that God is with us through those risky places, through those risky times. When we follow with conditions, we say, I will serve God to a point, but if I'm asked to do this or that, I'll draw the line. And following him fully doesn't draw lines. The fringes are safe. They're comfortable. Where are you at tonight? I know in some areas of my life where I'm at that I need to get out beyond the fringes into the interior. I need to go deeper, further with the Lord. And with the right kind of risk comes great reward, right? With the right kinds of risk. We have these concepts of independence in our, in our culture that have impacted us. I don't know how impacted you are by those, but I know that um, we live in a culture that says... Um, Suffering is not God's will, but God says, count yourself worthy and privileged to suffer for my sake. We live in a culture that says death is to be delayed, um, prolong, uh, life is to be prolonged, death is to be lay, delayed um, as long as possible. God says death is a doorway to greater service. I'm talking about uh, also the spiritual death, right? Uh, really, really dying to self. James Calvert was a missionary to the cannibals. You know how I like missionaries. <laughs> I love quoting from them. There's some awesome quotes. James Calvert, he was a missionary to cannibals in Fiji Islands. This was back in the, the 1800s. So as they arrive on the ship, yes, they had to take ships. Couldn't fly <laughs> like we did. They arrived on the ship. The captain tried to turn him back saying, you'll lose your life and the life of those with you if you go among such savages. To which Calvert replied, we died before we came here. And now we have missions-minded Fijian churches just down the hill in Sacramento that had supported our missionary work for years. Isn't that awesome? Because someone was willing to say, I already died. I'm going. Consider following Jesus with no conditions and see where he'll lead you. Amen? Come on up, Eve. Eve is going to take the next piece um, about following without comparisons. And this relates to John chapter 21, verse 21, where, where Peter 
looks, looks back at John and says, Lord, what about him? What about him? And uh, real quick before comparisons, um, the this you know being led where you do not want to go that Tim had highlighted earlier. Um, we one time in Turkey, our visa was running out and we couldn't be in country on the day it ran out. So visas are tricky for Americans in some places, <laughs> a lot of places actually, and so we had to leave Turkey leave Istanbul the day before it ran out, and then we couldn't return until the day after. So we just had to be gone for three days. So uh, we actually went to Israel. And um, we wanted to drive up to the Sea of Galilee, and uh, we had no GPS in the car, and we had no cell service. So we had a paper map, if you guys have ever seen those. They're really awesome. Uh, this is like my whole young life with dad behind the wheel and mom in the shotgun spot with the big map open. We drove all the way across the U.S. that way and all the way back, and we went lots of fun places with good old mom navigating. Siri was not needed. And so, anyway, my son had the map. He was riding shotgun. Tim was driving. Tim says, I think this is, this is the way to Galilee. And he swings a right-hand turn. And pretty soon after that, it was very clear that this was not the way to the Sea of Galilee because there was boatloads of barbed wire and many people with automatic weapons. And Tim had taken take a wrong turn and we were in Palestine occupied territory. And this is my example of sometimes we are led to places we do not want to go. <laughs> And he flipped a Yui, and we headed back the other way, and we got to the Sea of Galilee. And anyway, so I had to tell on Tim. Uh, but most of the places we went in those 20 years, I really wanted to go. That was one example of a place I didn't want to go. Um, yeah. So what what I'm what comes to mind here with Peter saying, "What about him?" to Jesus, and Jesus saying, "What?" You know, um, what is that to you, right? Whatever is John's thing is John's thing. But um, my sister Natalie is 18 months older than me. And I remember never wanting to get in trouble by myself. I don't know if any of, okay, anybody else do that? No? All right, just me. Uh, so if I was going down, she was going down with me. And um, so I think I probably said a number of times, if I was getting in trouble, what about Natalie? And pointed out what she might have done wrong or maybe made up something that she did wrong. I don't know, just saying. And um, I don't know, what did you guys say when I tried to pull Natalie into the deal? Okay, yeah, <laughs> don't blame your sister. So you'll, you'll get in trouble for your stuff, and she'll get in trouble for her stuff, or not, right? So it kind of feels like, yeah, Peter is, is just trying to pull John in on this thing, right? And the comparison piece is something that can keep us from following obediently because why? Who has an idea? Give me some ideas. Comparison. How can that get in the way of what Jesus is telling me specifically to do? Yeah. 
okay? So them sinning, yeah, can be distracting or destructive or <laughs> you, you name it, right? Okay, what else? Good. Yeah. Yeah, so we all have our own path, right? My path is mine and yours is yours and yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Yep, our gifts and purposes differ, so yep. Good, what else? Okay, don't compare because the Bible says not to. That, yep. <laughs> We think that's going to be our out, right? Yeah, possibly. Oh, good. So-and-so is going to do a better job, or they're more qualified, or they're something else, so I'm off the hook. And Jesus says what? Not off the hook. Okay? Because the call I have for you, the plans and purposes I have are specifically for you. And if you don't actually step out and do that, does it get done? I mean, I, I'd say that, you know, he always has a plan B, but if it's something that he has specifically asked you to do, you stepping out in obedience means the job gets done, which is what Jesus is saying, it needs to get done, number one, and number two, you actually receive the blessing of that step of obedience and that walk of obedience. Why would we want to miss out on that? Why would we want to miss out on the very best that the Lord has for us? Why would we want second best or nothing at all, which is what happens if we don't step out in obedience? That it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I see your heads nodding because you're saying, yeah, that it, that's right. You know, we need to and want to step out in obedience. And yet I think all of us can probably think of a time when we did hang back or we did disqualify ourselves by saying, hey, so-and-so could do better, or I don't know, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure that you're wanting me to do this? Because you know, and whatever we say that, you know, we think he maybe doesn't know, so we need to remind him of. So there's that comparison piece of us with others. There's also that comparison piece of me, me comparing myself to me. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's, there's different versions of me, right? There's the younger me. There's the more energetic me. There's the me who's, uh, you know, yeah, I feel better when I'm well-rested and full, not hungry and tired, but I still, you know, does the Lord still ask me to do stuff when I'm hungry or tired or, you know what I mean, low on energy or middle-aged or whatever I am? Yeah, he still asks me to do stuff then. Why? I mean, doesn't, doesn't he know the, you know, like, yeah, when we were in Tajikistan, those were, those were those years when I had all that energy and all that, you know, whatever I had to give. So why, why doesn't he know that I'm past my prime now? He knows that, Mom says. So he knows I'm past my prime, but he's okay with it? Okay, so if he's saying right now, 
where you're at, the age you're at, the whatever space in life you're at is okay with me and I have a specific job for you to do, then that's it, right? No questions asked. So it's easy for me to say no questions asked because I'm here and I have the mic and your heads are all nodding. But do we ever ask questions? Do we question? Yeah. So we question the God of the universe about the ideas that he has and the call that he has on our lives and his plans and purposes for us. That sounds like craziness to me. So yeah, the comparison piece. Me with me doesn't get me anywhere. Me comparing myself to you doesn't get me anywhere either. So how about me saying, okay, God, your call, your plans, your purposes, I'm okay with that. How, how can we make that happen? What's that going to look like? What's that first step? It's like Tim was saying, being that, you know, okay, I, I can commit to a year. Okay, Lord, I can do that and step through that open door, right? And then see what else and what other open doors he, he has. I have to say, this is a total rabbit trail, but if you look at verse 7, it, let, me, let me read this. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Okay, he jumped into the sea, but only after putting on his cloak, let's say. Okay, so Jesus is on the shore. Just try to get a picture of this. Because I'm, I'm thinking if we compare ourselves to Peter, maybe we'll feel good about ourselves now. Um, Jesus is on the shore, and he's watching this happen. So he already knows, Jesus, that he's going to have breakfast ready, and he's going to have this heart-to-heart talk with Peter, right? So he knows this man who just put on his cloak before jumping into the sea to swim to shore to see me is the, the man that I need to you know, commission here and, and talk to him about feeding my sheep. And I, I think Jesus might have been a little bit, you know, just, I don't know, wondering, like, okay, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but, you know, I don't know if Peter's my guy, but I know Peter's my guy, so I'm going to go for it. Anyway, so don't question uh, God's call, his plans and purposes for you by comparing yourselves with others or yourself, right? Because, yep, he's saying... You're, you're the one. Got a special job for you. Yeah. And uh, so follow without conditions. Following without comparisons. And just five minutes to talk about following with compassion. Peter said... Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my lambs. It's interesting when we look at that, um, just when we look at Peter and and the character that he was, uh, to the challenge for him was to look at people and to serve people and to give of himself to people and we can spiritualize it and just talk about, well, he was to preach the word and that was all that he was to do. So he was to, fe- he was to feed the lambs in that way by preaching the word. And of course, he preached the word. He did that. And yet, it's interesting, if you look at Acts 6, they were feeding widows at first, the, the leaders in the church. 
and they had to, it got so demanding of their time, they had to delegate that. It was a, to me, that says that's a pri- that was a priority task, taking care of people, right? And uh, so that wasn't to be put on the back burner. That was important. It just needed to be delegated. So then they delegated, and then Peter was free to do what God had called him to do next, and that was to preach the word and to feed the lambs in that way. So all of us, and that just goes back to, comes back to, I think, a little bit about comparison. All of us have gifts, and all of us have something that God has placed in our hands and our hearts and our, our, our stories, our journeys have brought us to this place where we have something to do to feed the lambs that God has put in our lives, to feed those sheep, to, to take care of those people, whether they be immediate family, whether it be colleagues, coworkers, people in our community and church, however God has called us to. The challenge for us is to be people of compassion, to step out, to follow Christ with compassion. Amy Carmichael said, you can, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so it comes to back to giving, giving what we have, and God, God, seeing God multiply that as he did the loaves and fishes. As, he, as we give what we have, he multiplies it. And... Um, we, you know, if you've ever said it's not my responsibility, someone else will to do it. I don't want to get involved. You're not alone. <laughs> We've all had those places where we we didn't want to take responsibility, and it we can trace that all the way back to to Adam and Eve. But um, research confirms, if you research it today, it confirms that there is a growing trend to avoid involvement, and it's increasing worldwide. So it's, uh, it's something that uh, we want to stay in our bubbles, our shells, and, and, and not get out there and get into the messiness and the nitty-gritty. And the, uh, and, and, but how many know, again, that's where God is at work multiplying his, his blessings and his food to people. And um, so that biblical mandate, feed my sheep, is one that comes deep from the heart of God. It was for Peter, yes, but it's for all of us to have that heart. And it's not always glamorous. Michael, is it always glamorous? No. Been in those places, and and I know that many of you have been in places where it's not always glamorous, but it's where God puts you to be the most effective for the kingdom and to multiply his blessings in hard places. So Peter was a big splash guy. He wanted to make a big impact, right? He wanted to have... Uh, he was impulsive, he was uh, reactive, and he wanted, he wanted to make that big splash. And uh, literally, he did <laughs> splash with his cloak on, right? <laughs> he made big splashes, and uh, he jumped in the water. But uh, in life, he wanted to be that way. But he had to be reminded of what hidden service for Christ, the importance of hidden service for Christ. And that chain reaction that it produces so there's that ripple effect if you if we stay in the in the water water analogy right big splash ripple small splash ripple no matter what there's a ripple there's a ripple effect and um, that's through hidden service when we serve god there's a chain reaction it produces multiplies so that kind of feeding that uh 
Peter did was, was took on various forms, I'm sure, throughout his life, just like it did, does for us. Um, could be literally physically feeding people, can be standing and preaching or teaching or however that looks. Um, but I just want to challenge you and encourage you this week to, to offer bread to someone this week. It doesn't have to be physical bread. It might be. But offer bread, something life-giving to people this week and your path and follow Jesus with compassion. Let God release you into being uh, all that he has and do all that he has for your life. No conditions, no comparisons, compassionate service and what he's called you to do. And uh, let God, let, let's see what God can do through people surrendered and ready to follow Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's stand together. We'll uh, go ahead and, and uh, just uh, close our service time with uh, prayer. And I uh, want you to know anybody, Pastor Cole's up here, and, and myself and Eve will be here. And uh, just encourage somebody as you go out. But if you need special prayer, uh, we'll be here, and we'd love to pray with you. Um, let's, pray for, um, let's pray for our pastors, too. Um, Pastor Don and Pastor Sue, as they are on the road and visiting family and, and uh, having grandbaby time and all of that. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for the life-giving power, your living word, Lord, in our lives, in our hearts, challenging us, transforming us from glory to glory. Thank you for your word, Lord. We love you. Lord, help us uh, to continue to remember our pastors. Thank you for Pastor Don and Pastor Sue and their family. Lord, just bless them as they travel. Bless them as they spend quality time with, with kids and grandkids. Just strengthen them, restore them, renew them, and enrich their lives, Lord. And make them a blessing there as they are to us here, Lord. And thank you. Uh, and go with us. Go before us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.